Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Camille from sunny California, and you're listening to the Coffee Chat with Camille show, which is the podcast series that interviews various guests about real-life topics for people who love to learn. Welcome to Coffee Chat with Camille. We have, uh, oh, and also Happy, Happy Friday. Our title of our show today is Voting and Author of Alphabet, Jennifer Manicharian. Alphabet is Jennifer's first novel. She put much of her personal and professional life experience into writing it. Having been a family therapist, divorce mediator, Broadway and off-Broadway producer, musical book writer, screenwriter and producer, and screenwriting teacher. She co-wrote and produced the films Family Blues and Boundary Waters in production, as well as wrote the book of two musicals that are streaming online. Mary Harry is a full-length musical, and Cockroaches and Cologne, a short musical. She is a proud board member of the New York Staging Film, the Peace Studio, and 18 by Vote. She is married with five children and many grandchildren. Great source material. For you, the audience, you can um, uh, go to her personal website that has info on it about the book, her bio, and other links to other things I, oh, excuse me, she has done. It go right to Jennifer Manicharian, M-A-N-O-C-H-E-R-I-A-N.net. And it will be in our show notes, and also you'll be able to find a copy of the show at coffeechatwithcamille.com. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and welcome Jennifer into the studio. Uh, Hello? Hi. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Welcome. Hi, Can you hear me? I'm a little confused about how to get on this properly, but we're good, right? Excellent. Yes, thank you. You can hear me? Yes. But you can I be can. my publicist any time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that introduction with all that information. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome, and thank you so much for being here. So happy my to pleasure. have you. And to also share you with our audience so they can get to know more about you. So we're going to go ahead and start the interview. One of the things um, I'd like to do is to give you the floor about voting, because when you wrote me, you did um, write a little bit about you wanted to talk about voting, and then we can go into um, your book, if, if that's okay. Of course. Of course, it's your program, whatever. <laughs> I, listen, I love to vote about voting, and in fact, this afternoon, we had a board meeting, and um Actually, you know, it's really, when I, I am not exactly a spring chicken, and when I was young, one of the, you know, one of the things I looked forward to was, first first of all, I guess, riding my bike, <laughs> then getting my driver's license, and then being able to vote. I mean, it was like a big deal. And unfortunately, our, our, not just young people, but everybody's we've had such a mess going on that so many people are so alienated. And the only way we really have any power is through our vote. And even though, you know, you think it's one vote, 
in one voice. There are elections, there are particularly in communities, but there are elections that come down to one vote. I mean, it, people's vote matters, and it also matters to be engaged and to care. There are so many issues today that are critical to young people and our, our um, nonprofit 18byvote.org, and it's the number 18, not spelled out. But our aim is nonpartisan. I mean, we're not, you can't, you can, I don't think as a, a nonprofit you can be partisan. But, but we don't, that's not our aim. It's just to get people engaged in, in being part of our uh, democracy and voting about issues. There's a lot of issues that really matter. We've got a lot, particularly affect young people. And, and in fact, a lot of my um, interest in this has to do not with me because it's not going to affect me, but a lot of them affect my children and my grandchildren. You know, there's the air we breathe. You know, there's, I mean, I'm, and I'm, I'm hope I'm trying to sound nonpartisan. So if I, if I, if I, if I tip my hat, please warn me and tell me. But the issues really, there's so many issues that affect young people today that that they have to they have to care. And the only way they can do anything about it is by voting and, and registering to vote. Not just registering, because registering is only step one. If you register but you don't vote, and that's for a lot of older people too, you're wasting your vote. You're, wa- you, you're losing your voice. So no matter how much you complain, if you're not doing anything about it, then, then you're part of the problem. Absolutely. Thank you so very much for that because um... – I think we need to be reminded about how important our vote is. And, yes, and uh, the democracy depends upon, you know, citizens who want to be part of the process. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you so very much. And You're welcome. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> We're going to move on to uh, what inspired you to write this book? Well, have you have you seen the jacket for the book or anything about it? Have, do you know anything about my book? Well, I just know like what I have in my notes, but I'd like okay. you to just please um, let the audience. Oh sure. Know, no, I was just curious if you'd seen anything about it. Well, the book I have. I mean, I've done. I've had a number of. I think of my life in a number of chapters and different careers, and I've had. I've been theater producer, I've been a family producer, all the different things I've done. I've been a screenwriter. Everything kind of culminated for me. Let's put it this way. I mean, I'm, I always think in terms of stories. You know, if I'm sitting in a restaurant and I hear people at a nearby table talking, you know, having an argument or something, I've already got a play I'm starting in my head. Because I'm just, I'm always, you know, my head is always filled with ideas about stories and people and characters. And i had never thought that I had the ability to write in a narrative form. Screenwriting is fairly, well, when I say easy, it's not easy to write a good screenplay, but writing dialogue is fairly, comes to me naturally. And creating characters comes to me naturally from all my different life experiences. But writing a narrative that has to be a minimum of 60,000 words, in my wildest dreams, I never thought I could do it. But it all started with a... But but I and in order to kind of test test the water, many years ago, a friend of mine who's a writer said to me, "Why don't you join a writing group I have? And we just do short stories. See how see how that form fits you." And I, I mean, right away I plunged into it and I really enjoyed it. But again, 
I thought, okay, if I can write 10,000 words, I, I'm going to give myself a medal of some sort. I mean, it just, I didn't think I, I honestly didn't think I could do it. But I had a group of stories that I'd write, been writing, and I had every week, every excuse me, every year, a group of us have a writing retreat together where we just go for away for a week and write. <laughs> or we, we're, we're either writing or we're talking writing or we're giving prompts or we're sharing our work. And we share our work a lot. And through that process, I started to come up with the idea of linking different stories that I had into a whole. And again, it was just kind of an idea. I just, I didn't have the time for it because I'm doing a lot of other things. And then COVID came around, you know, and so I never occurred to me, I'd be sitting at home for almost three years, but my office closed in this New York city and I was home. And the longer it became, the clearer it was that I had a gift of time that I would have never had ordinarily. And I just started piecing this thing together. And it was, so that's kind of the origin. It was a lot of work and it was, and I actually, I love doing it. It's like a, it's something I, I'm now working on a second novel. I mean, I really kind of, um, I've got the bug. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. And then did your former careers help or hinder the process? Well, the answer to that is both. They they certainly helped in terms of my understanding characters and motivation and character arcs and structure. I mean, all of those, I mean, whatever the elements are, like in a screenplay, for example, you you have to you also have to have a plot where you have characters who go from A to Z, <laughs> that type of thing, and sub characters, and um, certainly as a therapist and more than anything, just as a family member, I, uh, my understanding of people definitely served me well. But the, the, to the extent I was hindered is it was what was hardest for me was in a screenplay, you can, you know, you can set the scene. You can say, you know, they entered the living room, which was very posh or something. That, that, that's as much as you need to do because you're going to have somebody who's a uh, set designer who's going to design that set. For, if you give them, you know, minimal information, they, they will know how to create that. A period, let's say period 1970s room. They, they know what to do. In writing a novel, I have to fill all that in. I have to help the readers see where we are. And that that was my the hardest challenge that I had. And it's very easy to me to kind of, in my earlier drafts, and if people said to me it reads like a play or it reads like a movie, I realized I had more work to do to kind of help bring it into more into it, the form of a novel. Thank you. How long did it take to write? Well, I, I started, I, it was the bits and pieces, but when I gathered them all together, it was like a couple of years. But I had, I got, I had writer friends who read a couple of drafts and gave me notes. I mean, it's, this was, and I don't think any work that's done is ever just one person sitting in front of their computer. I, I, it, you need a lot of input to give you any perspective. And then when I was finished and I felt that it was ready as it was going to be, or that I could do at that moment, I sent it to a developmental editor who was amazing. And she gave me very, very good notes that were challenging. But by the time I had done all of that, 
I it, I'd really kind of whipped it into shape. So I would say, all told, it was a couple of years. And because I'm Sorry. because I'm a senior citizen, and I knew because I work with writers how long it can take to get a book first to find an agent and then to find an agent may then want you to make more changes and then you get a pub if they get a, if they get a publisher they don't agents that don't always get publishers and then if you get a publisher the publisher more, make want more changes and then when you have a publication date it may be one of my friends it was three years hence I I knew I just didn't want to wait that period of time so I made a decision to have it done through a hybrid publisher which is a which is different from totally as you know like a Kindle or an Amazon, you know, one of these self-publishing where you have very little resources other than what you send to them. I worked with a hybrid publisher, which helped me create the the artwork and, and the marketing and, I mean, everything. They've done everything a normal publisher, a, a more, I don't know what the word is, but for a more traditional publisher would have done, um, except that I have to pay a fee rather than them, than them paying you. But it was yes, very yes. helpful to me. Yes, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. And then how Thank did you. being a screenwriter impact writing a novel? Well, again, it was the same the same question of relying I didn't have a camera to do a lot of the work for me. Mm-hmm. With a screenplay, you know, you you can things you can i I like to give an example of a film that I think is it was at least for me a good teaching tool because so much of it uh it was it was very well crafted film it's called um the confirmation Clive Owen is in it, but in that film, before you've even seen the character, you begin in the dark where you hear a car trying to start and it's an engine that isn't starting so if you're a film goer you know already that somebody's kind of (laughs) having a problem it's not like you're hearing a racing screen you know a racing car going and somebody's like at the top of their life you know somebody's struggling and then slowly you get to this beat up truck in a little town with Clive Owen sitting there he hasn't shaved and really frustrated his beat up truck won't start um, the amount of what that's done for somebody who's watching it, if you're writing, if as a novelist, if you want to write that scene, it might be a chapter <laughs> before you get to that. If, mm-hmm. if if you know what I mean, it's like it's yeah. it's all it's so economical. Whereas you've got to, you as a as a novel writer, you have to show that scene. You have to find a way to show that scene to the mm-hmm. to your reader, and it's it's very different. And you also have to. In, in in a screenwriting or in a film, let's not even just say screenwriting, but in a film, you know, you cast, if it says, let's say a woman in her 30s. Well, if you cast, you know, a big star who's, you know, at the top of her game, you know, if it's a love story, you know how it's going to end, let's put it that way. And, and you know quite a bit about that person just by seeing that character. Whereas if you take Somebody who's, well, there are actors like Charlize Theron who's really kind of made herself as unattractive as she can and it's a different kind of character. But the minute you see that, you know a lot about them. But in a book, you have to, you have to create that character 
uh, from the page. And, and it's, it's not that you have to do it by, you can't just do it by describing them because that tells you maybe what they look like or the choices they make. It tells you something about them. But you have to get into their soul, into who they are, kind of their psyche, and find ways of saying that without being direct about it, you know, indirect ways you do it. And it's a very different process, and it's, it's, hard, it's hard. But it's also, but I love that kind of a challenge. Yes, yes, thank you. And then why um, did you choose to use a hybrid publisher? Well, I, as I said before, I, I chose to do it more than anything because of my age. Because I, well, there, I can say two reasons. One is because of my age. Because I don't have forever to find the agent and then to find the publisher. I mean, definitely I would have, it would have been a more, for me, I would have felt more legitimized doing it that way. But I also didn't feel like I could wait that long because it could be years. And I'm, I'm an impatient person and I'm also not young. And I wanted to, and I also wanted control because I've had friends of mine have had books and they haven't had the kind of control that I wanted to have over the, what the cover looked like and what the title was. Because particularly having been in theater where, where you're, where you have to sell a a show very often, of course your cast can help sell it. If you have Hugh Jackman, you don't have any problems, but, but where you have to sell it based on the image that you're creating. And I'm, and I have a very strong feeling about, titles and about your artwork is selling it and since nobody's ever heard of me as a writer I felt that I had to have a very strong title and a very strong cover and I didn't feel I would have that or at least I wouldn't have had the ability to control it the way I did in a hybrid book and so I that's why I chose it if I were if I had been if I were 60 I would have I would have definitely waited to find the agent and done what had to, I would have done it differently probably but that's a hypothetical I don't know what would have happened but you know I I just am very uh, very much I one of the shows that I was uh, involved with and is still running around the country and it's had many many years of being successful is Stomp and Stomp to me is like the ultimate it has a title that's one word and the word almost describes what it is. And then it has an image of, you know, of somebody doing something physical. And that, that to me is like the ultimate in how you can sell something. Thank you. Thank you. And then in, we're going to make this probably the last question. Is any part of it the book based on real people? Well, that, that's another yes and no answer because, um, Whatever anybody writes is writing from their perspective and their knowledge of people and their knowledge. Uh, so, so in a way, when I began, in a sense, I would say some things about my, my, my mother died at 95 and she was in a wheelchair. She was not bet. It wasn't really based on her, but she had quality. It wasn't in terms of the events in her life based on her, but in terms of her personality, that strong personality, that kind of, you know, very determined kind of uh, like militantly self-sufficient person was very much my mother. And there were, there were events, some things were based on real events, but 
it wasn't, I mean, for example, there was a scene where I have an old man who falls and goes to the hospital into the emergency room. And I wrote that scene based on something that happened to my father. Now, there was nothing about the character I was writing about that was my father. But that whole feeling, it was like taking the feelings of going to the hospital with somebody like that and seeing them in the in the emergency room and, you know, having code blues and stuff. It was like, it was very emotional for me. And that was based on something I had experienced, but it wasn't about my father, if, if, you, if that makes it clear. So, uh-huh. I'm sorry. But it's, but my story is told, it, there's, there's like eight different characters. It's all told from the point of view of different characters. And so if, if I think about, how I created the eight of them. Each of them are probably a little bitten part of me or people that I know, but, but I, but they have to all be quite different. So they're, so it's anyway, it's not an autobiographical novel, but people may read things into it. I don't know. They're welcome to, (laughs) I don't mind, but, but it's not, it isn't. If I wanted to do that, I'd have to do a real memoir. Which I'm not planning to do. <laughs> okay. Thank you That'll so much. My, my children my children can write about me. <laughs> I'll leave it I'll leave it to them. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so very much for being here. And then I just oh, wanna Yes, yes. Well you're welcome. And then I just like to know, uh, for our audience, what is your favorite coffee and or hot beverage? Ah. Well, I am a, oh, I'm not allowed to give you brands, but if there's certain coffee shops that I go into, like a big brand that starts with an S, and I get, and I get a skinny caffeine latte, vanilla cafe mm-hmm. latte, that'll make me very happy. Wonderful. And I like it hot. Uh-huh. And you yeah, like it I hot? Do. I do. Yeah, I do. You should yes. have as a guest. You should have as a guest uh, Jerry Seinfeld, who does his also coffee, his coffee linked show. Oh, this Do you know is, about it? No, I didn't. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah I no, Jerry. Jerry Seinfeld has a show of comedians. What? I, it's comedians with coffee. I don't know if that, it's on. I think it's on on one of the you know cable channels. But he yes. he goes out with different. Uh, comedians and and at this point maybe other people too and he picks them up in one of his vintage cars and he takes oh, them to some right. kind of a coffee place yeah and they I have beautiful yeah. yeah they have wonderful shots of the of the cappuccino maker making foam and it's it's a really good little uh pod uh, not pod but little series that i enjoy it sure is yeah it's excellent yes i forgot about that right thank yeah. you so much for for, uh, you have to invite him on your show. Okay, I'm gonna try. I'm not. I don't have any <laughs> celebs yet like that, you know. Uh, well, somebody can reach out to list. him. Okay. Yeah, you should reach out to him because that would be fun. Okay. It sure would be. Yeah, I'll see. Wow, I didn't even think about that. But um, thank you, Jennifer. Oh, and then also, could you please um, let our audience uh, know what your social media handles are? Yes. Uh, well, one, I have an Instagram account, which is uh, just my name, Jennifer Manichurian, one word, 
it Jennifer is spelled like the way people spelled it in the old days. J E N N I F E R M A N O C H E R I A N dot that's it, Jennifer Mediterranean. That's on Instagram. Oh my god, I know on Facebook I think I'm also as Jennifer Manichurian and I'm on LinkedIn. And and I probably have a Twitter account that I don't use, but I do I am kind of promoting the show through social media. And if you have time for one more plug I'd like to to add, if you don't do you have time for one thing? There's a nonprofit I'm I'm on the board of another nonprofit that is not about um, voting, but it's about, it's called the peacestudio.org, just the way it sounds. And it's the, it, the mission is to uh, support artists of all types of media who give messages of hope and, you know, peace in kind of the broadest sense of the world within their communities in order to help make this kind of a kinder, gentler world. <laughs> And and I that's kind of tied in with my care for the future for my children and my grandchildren that we find a way to make our world kind of a a, a happier kind of less violent angry world. Oh, and it's a, and it's and they have they have wonderful. Uh, if you if anybody goes onto their website, they have different a lot of different um, narrative stories and things like that 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 might be. Um, inspirational to people, and it's just it's so my I mean listen it I'm it's the last I don't know what period of my life, but I want to leave some kind of hope for a better world in the future because the world has kind of really become very crazy right now, yeah. and I can only hope that we have a that we we're heading towards a more peaceful world in every sense of the world. A word. Yes, yes, I see it here. The Peace Studio. Did you want me to? Yeah. Is it okay if I put it um, in the description in your description? Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, yes, it. I mean, I hate, okay. I hate to be on a soapbox, but I, but I really feel so oh, strongly about okay. these issues. I That's care it. about the future. Thank you so much. So I will um, put these in the show note. Show note that it's called the peacestudio.org. It's actually the right. um, website that you, can, you all can go to. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, Jennifer, was there any other anything else you wanted to mention while you're on the No, air? no, but I just want to <laughs> thank mind. you, Camille, for your show and for your. I love your Camille. name. <laughs> thank Camille. you, Jennifer. <laughs> and this has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure for me and, as well. And if and if anybody wants to get the book, it's online at any of the websites that you can, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Bookshop, whatever. It's on plenty. And soon, and actually, soon I will have. I mean, it's like a month and a half late, but soon there will be an audible version for people who like audiobooks. Oh, wonderful! Okay, excellent. So there's a Kindle version, a paperback, and an audible copy. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, you have thank you, thank made, you. <laughs> it's a very, you're welcome. <laughs> you made this a magnificent happy Friday. And oh, and I'm just you. thrilled to have had you on. And um, I just want to congratulate you with all of your accomplishments. You're absolutely amazing. And oh. I'm going to say bye for now. Bye.
Well, Reach out anytime. You're always welcome to come back. Well, I have a movie that I wrote that was produced this year that hopefully will come out next year. Maybe I'll, I'll come on for that. <laughs> well, please do. Anytime. I'd love to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. I would be my pleasure. All right. Thanks, Camille. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Okay, everybody. That was the magnificent Jennifer Mediterranean. And um, actually, I'm going to go ahead and add in the show notes here for you guys um, to please go to the uh, second website. And it's called The Peace Studio, okay? The Peace Studio. I'm putting it in right now. And then I will put in the link for you all. And it's uh, The Peace Studio. Dot org. Okay? The Peace Studio dot org. All right, so we've got to get back to a peaceful place. I would agree with that 1,000%. I'm going to find the hyperlink for it because it's not um, lighting up. So you, when you click on it, you all can go directly to the page. So I will um, edit that in the show notes, okay? And then what I do want to do um, is read um, about Jennifer's book, okay? It's called, um, what did I say, Alphabet? Yeah, Bet. Like Bette Davis, but B, the actress Bette Davis. I don't know if a lot of you know her, but phenomenal actress. Uh, B-E-T-T-E, okay, is the second part. So it's Alpha Bet by Jennifer Manichurian. Bet Gartner is a 95-year-old widow, except in the morning, and decides to give a dinner party that night for her small family, staff, two neighbors, and a median. And no one knows why. This story takes place over the course of a day and is told through the multiple points of view of Beth's guest, switching back and forth between them as we learn about their motivations, dreams, hopes, and fears. These various storylines converge at the dinner table where the coming together of different personalities each with their own tensions and pain points, erupts into epiphanies, resolutions, and new beginnings before the final act of the evening that has planned. Alphabet is more than the story of a particular family's history, aside from recounting how the characters navigate the daily mundanities of urban life. It also dwells on their larger existential anxieties and the impact of the holes and absences that deceased and displaced loved ones leave behind. Okay, so please check it out. I'm already like totally intrigued. Um, And it's nothing more, I think, I think it's nothing better than to have the author on, which we did. Um, Jennifer is just, I swear, she's absolutely amazing. I mean, she's done so much and continues. And I love that she's asking us all to take our voting rights seriously, to get out and vote. And uh, I think we're coming up on voting time, too. So um, I just want to thank her again. Thank you all very much for listening to Coffee Chat with Camille. You can find a copy of this episode, by the way, 
on any of the streaming platforms. I think they finally added us to iHeartRadio. So I'm pretty thrilled about that. Uh, Apple, Spotify. I think between Apple and Spotify, one of those two are number one. I can't always remember which one. But again, this is voting and author of Alphabet, Jennifer Manicharian. Okay? She is a just a, an incredible person. Okay? So please read the show notes. Please buy her book, folks. And thank you again for listening to Coffee Chat with You. Bye for now and happy Friday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.